5 million gets us an additional give or take 2000 customers that gets us to the place where we're generating uh, 25 million a year in revenue. are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Michael Barnett. He fell in love with communities when advising nonprofits on leadership and organizational development after working for members of the U.S. Congress and the U.K. Parliament. Now he's building a platform that connects people and helps them bring more folks to causes, brands, and companies that they absolutely love. They found the product market fit with COVID and are experiencing explosive growth, 2x in over in the past six months. The company is called Ingo, I-N-G-O dot me. Michael, you ready to take to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Great to be here, Nathan. appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Okay, so so what are you selling and who's buying? Uh, great question. So historically, before COVID, we were selling social registration to event organizers. So okay. you run New York Times Travel Show or the Army Show or the PGA Show, and you want more people to go, you drop us into your registration process. We get you to say, yeah, I want to see who else is going. We analyze your network and we say, Nathan, you should also invite these four people show gross, 10, 20%. But it's once a year. COVID made that all illegal. Revenue went to zero, events went to zero, everything shut down, uh, which was a horrible experience, terrifying. And then the best thing that's happened to us. Because what we realized is that COVID meant every brand needed more digital content, webinars, white papers, heck, the podcasts you do. And we the world went from one webinar in industry a week to one an hour to one a minute. And with that, demand for audience blew up. And it meant that we had this really great opportunity to take what we had built, understanding relationships, suggesting the right people, showing you who was going, and turn that into a 365 experience around a brand and not just a single event. So now it's mostly big media companies, some corporates, and our legacy organizers buying us to create these communities and grow them. And what are these bigger media brands? I mean, what are they paying on average per month to use the technology? They're paying a dollar a member, so per year. So, you know, imagine subscriber a year, basically, if in you know in the podcast world, uh, would be what they're paying. And then what they're getting out of that is they're paying us a buck, they're installing us into their website, and then what they get is 10, 20, 30, 40 percent growth. And the experience, uh, I can talk a little bit to that experience. So. You know, imagine if you're in your industry and it's well, a wait, hold on, Michael, before we before oh. we jump into that, just to make sure yeah. so I understand. So a uh, dollar per member per month, but I don't know like what size we're talking. If we're talking a thousand members or 10,000 members or one member. So is the average like is the average customer what paying like 500, 600 bucks a month, something like that? No, the average customer is paying and it's per member per year. Sorry. Okay. Uh, but the average customer is at $20,000 a year and going up pretty okay. quickly. So you're very much in the higher mid market enterprise space. Yeah. 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 I and mean, we're talking about big media companies like Fast or Wall Street Journal, or um, not all these are necess- like New York Times or Daily Mail, right? Not all these are customers, but to give you a sample. 
So are you, when I go to like one of these conference websites, the JavaScript plugin on the pricing page, it says, look at all your friends that are going. And it shows like the Twitter profile faces of everyone else that you know in your network that is also going or registered. That will be, yes, that would be us for a lot of these. So in 2019, mm -hmm. one fifth of the biggest events in the world used us for uh, to do that. And then to say, here are the faces of the people you know, here are the faces of the people you should invite. Interesting. Okay, take me back to day one. When did you launch the business? Oh, uh, 2013. And initially, we wanted to get rid of business cards. Uh, I'm sure you had lots of events. You end up with these stacks of business cards. You never follow up with the right people, know who to follow up with, can find the right business card. Decided we were going to solve that problem. Met with lots of great leaders in the event space and found out they weren't, it wasn't a problem they wanted to solve, we're going to pay for. So distribution yeah. became hard. Pivoted in late 2013 into the front end, which was these people do want to pay for getting more people to their events. So that was 2013. Did that, grew that all the way through 2019, 5 million attendees globally. Um, and then basically had to restart the company in last year. With COVID? Yeah. Now, exactly. did, you do all this, did you do all this bootstrap or did you raise capital? We raised cap in, we raised about 2 million bucks in 2015 okay. um, and then became profitable and now are quite profitable. Mm -hmm. Why did you need to raise the 2 million back in 2015? Uh, in the, so we, Initial idea, pivot, new idea, needed funding, needed scale, needed um, some go-to-market funding and, and product development. Mm -hmm. And talk to me more about the team. Obviously, a lot of capital raised goes to building a great team. How many folks are on your team today? Uh, there's 11 of us now, uh, about half product, half sales and marketing. And engineers, obviously, sometimes the most expensive. How many engineers are on the team of 11? Uh, there's four engineers and a product manager. How did you decide to build that engineering team? So some folks will say, you know what? I want to outsource it, right? Cheaper labor overseas. But uh, then some people say, listen, it's a core asset. I want to build it in-house and hire locally here in Arlington, Virginia. Yeah, we've done both uh, and you know, had different uh, people from different parts of the world. And But the very first, especially when we were bootstrapping, was Upwork, find some people, keep the best, and keep rotating through that. Over time, we've, we've found a firm that we really like, and it's all outsourced, but they, you know, we interact with them like they're part of the team, and um, they've been with us for a while. Do they just do the development, or do they do the design as well? Uh, we've got a separate designer as well okay. that we just contract. Okay, so contract designer, outsourced dev team of four, allows you to scale up or scale down much faster and as needed and avoid fixed expenses on your balance sheet, on your P&L. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very cool. Would you recommend this dev shop? Or are you like, can you, are you open to sharing them? Uh, yeah, actually, I would as long as they don't take our people and move them anywhere else. I mean, they <laughs> won't. But uh, Agile Engine—they've been absolutely fantastic. Where are they based? Uh, they've got a few offices. We use the one out of the U out of Ukraine. We found Eastern Europe really great for both communication and engineering quality. Interesting. Okay, cool. So, how many team members are there in Arlington? Uh, uh, one. Okay, we've got. Uh, a couple in the UK, a couple in Austin, funny enough. We, oh, uh, nice. We intro. Uh, and then um, trying to think of where everybody is. They're, it's all spread out. Remote. So, yeah, fully remote. Yeah, we had a whole office here in Arlington. And then with COVID, everybody kind of spread out. I mean, costs are pretty high here. So yeah. people got excited about other opportunities and had family in Austin and whatnot. We heard about how you got your first couple of customers. And then obviously the pivot happened. And then obviously COVID and then another pivot happened. But how many customers are you now serving today post-pivot? Uh, there's about 80, we call them communities. 
Uh, we got about 80 communities in house and then we keep adding, uh, about one a week now, one every, uh, yeah, one a week and it's getting faster too. Where are you finding them? They're finding us almost universally. Uh, maybe we, you know, we then nurture them after they find us initially, but typically they're seeing the word of mouth marketing we're creating on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook and clicking through and it's a competitive event, let's say, and they go, Oh, I want this on my event. And so they start following us, start getting interested, take a meeting. And then we get about 40% of the, of the meetings we take close. Oh, wow. Can you name, is there a conference page that's live right now that's using you? Yeah, you could go to Fast, go to their event page or Inc. and go to their event page Just and fast. see com? us on there. Yeah, uh, I, maybe it's fastco.com. Fastco.com. You know, I'm just curious what the UI looks like because, um, there, I mean, look, these events are going to, I think, come roaring back uh, once, you know, folks put practices in to, be, to do it safely. Um, okay, I can't, I don't know, fastco.com fast isn't anything. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Let me see if I can. Fastcompany.com. Oh, fastcompany.com. Got it. Uh, Got and Inc. Inc. is actually, go to Inc.com and upcoming events, you'll see us in there. I see. Okay, Inc.com upcoming events. And Got so it. I agree, physical events are going to come roaring back. We've already been crushing it with customers in Dubai where they're starting to launch again, uh, going all the way back to November, actually, they had some pretty good results because they were, they were way ahead on vaccines. Mm-hmm. But what we found, what was great for us was all the virtual side. So webinars, virtual events, podcasts, white papers, and the, the functionality we built was to go, you don't just want to acquire somebody once, you want to acquire them and keep them for a long time. And you want to get them to engage as often as possible. So for your own podcasts, imagine if Every time people sign up for one of your podcasts, then one of their friends listens to, your, to the next podcast. They get a note saying, hey, great news. Michael just listened to this next podcast. Don't you want to listen to it also? So, yeah, so typically, I'm on the, I was going to say, I'm on the Inc. events page and under featured speakers where it says begin your registration. You're basically powering this whole registration thing and the checkboxes that say, let people know I'm going to the event. You're then powering the social graph behind the scenes. That's right. Interesting. Okay, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Um, why hasn't Hopin or Events.com or Visibo or CVent tried to buy you? Uh, well, we've had a lot of reach out over the last few months. Uh, and so we've been growing quickly and kind of holding off those conversations and also talking to funding sources as well. But we'll see what happens. Are you more likely to... Are you more likely to raise more capital and keep building product? Do you see a path to grow product? Or are you more likely to take the sale now? Uh, I think that there's a lot of product and a lot of growth opportunity. If you look at it as there's 700, we're mostly B2B. Yep. So 700 million professionals out there, getting them all to be members of Ingo and our customers, a few customers each, that's a huge addressable market. Uh, but the right offer, we could be, you know, hop in or somebody could probably afford us. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, um, if you went the raise path to keep doubling down, how much do you think you'd go target? How much would you raise? We'd raise five million. And and why why is that the right number? That was the right number because it gets us to it gets us to about fifty million of and a recurring. Or sorry, it gets us to about a fifty million dollar valuation. Pretty. What, what do you think? This you, isn't live. Sorry, that's not the right answer. Can I? Well, it's okay. No, no, we can we can edit it. We can sort of talk through it. Okay. So you're, you you'd be raising five million to try and grow your valuation to fifty. No, I, I 
five million. I should go back and look at the numbers. Five million <laughs> gets us an additional. That uh, here. So five million gets us an additional, give or take two thousand customers. Okay. That gets us to the place where we're generating uh, about twenty five million a month in uh, twenty five million a year in revenue. I see, I see, I see. And can I take the math? Eighty customers today at that average ACV you told me of twenty grand. You're doing what, like one fifty a month right now? One hundred fifty grand. Uh, getting there, close to that. Okay, can you break that this year? You think, or is that need more time? Yeah, we'll get we'll we'll get there. We'll okay. get to somewhere near two million. That's great. And if you're sort of between called hundred grand, one hundred fifty grand a month right now in revenue, where were you a year ago? What's growth look like? Well, honestly, in March of last year, we were at zero. <sighs> So I, I, you I mean, lost really everything. Did. Yeah, we lost. I mean, everything was physical events, and all of it went away. Mm. Um, there was a moment in time my CFO was awesome because my CFO, this guy uh, Scott, turned to me and said, "This is going to last for a long time. We got to redo the company." And I was like, "Please, we'll eventually, back in June, July, we'll be fine." And he, he was like, "No, no, you got to get ready." And then uh, we had a couple board members who were great too, and like, "No, no, no, you got to get ready for a long haul." And thankfully, we did. We pivoted hard. We, funny enough, I don't know how much of this story you guys want. Our first customers were awesome. We launched an event on virtual events in April, like third third of last year. And uh-huh. we went, we emailed out, got 200 people. Those 200 people used Ingo and got us another 4,000 people to go to our event. And so all of those people saw Ingo. All of those people uh-huh. experienced it. All of them were like, I, I got to have that for mine. The only thing that actually the limiting factor, funny enough, was those initial integrations with the hop-ins and all of the new virtual platforms, which we built and now we can do. But yeah, um, but yeah that's how we, we got that initial burst. When and still raised, how we get a lot of them. Yeah. When you raised that $2 million in 2015, what, I assume that's probably a note, what cap did you use? What was that? What cap did you use for the $2 million raised in 2015? Uh, I don't, I'd have to go and look. I guess the reason I'm asking that question is, do you feel like the business has now recovered to the point where you can you could go do a raise at a higher valuation than what the cap was in 2015? Yeah, I'd be surprised if we couldn't get a substantially higher valuation given the multiples out there too. You've got two things, right? The growth rate plus the marketplace plus a higher revenue baseline. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, let's wrap up, Mike, with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book? Ooh, uh, Measure What Matters. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? That's a really great question. I don't want to give the, the cliche Musk because everybody does it. Actually, you know who I, I do find most compelling that I think is, I mean, pretty popular, but not everybody? Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. I think the, the analysis and his idea, he's got this quote about, if everybody invested as if they had a date card of or a dance card of nine options and they invested, you know, knowing that they only had nine investments to make in their lifetime, they would do a lot better job. It resonates to like something Jobs did where he was like, well, we're only going to have six products, but they're going to be amazing. I think that same thing from Buffett of his analysis of exactly where to put your money. I think the same thing's true for time and same thing's true for a company. And it goes back to the measure what matters thing too. It's just that, that precision of thought process. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business besides your own? Really good question. Uh, HubSpot. Okay. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get six or seven. Okay. That's pretty good. In situation, married, single kids? Uh, married, no kids yet. No kids Just, yet. Uh, married, second anniversary yes, yesterday. Oh, congratulations. How old are you, Michael? Uh, 37. 
37. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> uh, I wish that I knew to focus better when I was 20. Guys, Ingo.me launched back in 2013, raised 2 million in 2015, lost almost all their revenue during COVID, but pivoted fast. Now they're doing caught between 100 grand and 150 grand a month in revenue, hoping to break a $2 million run rate by the end of this series. Got all of its options on the table, works with about 80 event organizers to help them get more event attendees coming in via powering a social graph behind the registration. Uh, they're working again with 80, 80 of those customers. They're profitable, so they can do whatever they want. Maybe they look at an exit to an hop in or something like that. or Michael says they might go out and raise, you know, 5 million bucks to get 2,000 new customers. We'll see what happens. Michael, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it.